Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we are discussing chapters 19 and 20, A Prisoner of Azkaban. We go on a lot of tangents, but get quite serious. Si- no, oh. serious. Not oh. serious. Oh, we're serious oh. about serious. We're serious about serious. So grab some alcohol because we get pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 Hi, everyone. Hello. We're back. Hello. Back, 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 back. Getting back. Back, <laughs> back again. again. Charlie, Charlie and Hannah are back. Tell a friend. Actually, do tell a friend about us because if you tell one friend, then the podcast could double in size. Think about that. If every single person who listens to this podcast told one person about this podcast who then listened to us, then everyone that listens to us would lose a friend. Yes. Yes. That's what I want for everyone to lose, lose their friends yeah. so that they have to rely on us. Yeah, so that they become so lonely that they are completely dependent on us. High five. Yes. Oh, anyway, we're back to read chapters 19 and 20 of Harry and Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We're recruiting for my cold. We have already had quite a few drinks because we've started... Well, okay, we've always recorded Patreon bonus episodes, but quite sporadically. But we've decided to become better, more organised human beings and start podcasting pre-drinks. Yes. Is that the name we're going with? Fuck knows. You will see if you sign up to our Patreon, you can unravel the mystery as to what the fuck this series ends up as. Yes, we've started a new series. Series? Series. Series. The first episode we recorded was the first listener submission we got of the request for the Hermione and Wood fan fiction we did. And... If you want to hear me get all really hot and bothered, and, and I always really? called you Hermione then, and Hannah get really uncomfortable, then... Uh, I didn't get uncomfortable. We both got hot. We dived quite a lot into personal stuff, and but it was great. We did. I will cut a lot out in editing. Great. So it's called Podcasting Pre-Drinks. It's over on our Patreon. You can check it out. Become part of our Patreon. We're not going to go on about it, but our Patreon helps support our podcast, and one day we'll maybe get us to leaky cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, we yeah. need plane tickets <laughs> so yeah if you, if you want to hear how we get drunk for these episodes then that that is that is a that's a thing yeah and also do. access to you know discord discord and we're there we're there what else do the people time. get uh nudes no yeah. if they you pay know what our vaginas alcohol. look like stop uh, we're not sending anyone nudes yeah 20 quid and you get to pick what we drink uh like in today's episode Yes, in today's episode, it's $20, actually. In today's episode, we have... Uh, 20 quid. I feel like quid is not actually a... Um, a pound. Uh, it is more of a form of... Uh, yeah, quid is not a currency. Quid is a, you know... It's 20 of them. 20, you know. Yeah. Y- you give me a piece of paper, I could, I could spend it on a 20... You can tell we've drunk quite a bit more than we normally would starting. Anyway, we have a Patreon bonus alcohol. This was picked for us by our wonderful listener... Danny, who we first met at Dragon, and has yes. since been a Patreon, and then got his wife or girlfriend, girlfriend. wife, wife, fiance. They're fiance. getting married very ah! soon. We haven't received our invites yet, which is yes. very rude. Danny and Kim, where's our invite to your wedding? Yeah, we'll do a reading. Anyway, please um, don't actually invite us to your wedding. Oh please. no, oh, please. So, so please bad. don't invite us. Anyway, Danny has picked for us la la. Oh no, we should have Googled this. Single malt whiskey. La, 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 
Lafroic. Scottish single malt whiskey. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. It's quite nice, actually. Very smooth. Yeah. I don't normally like whiskey, but that's quite nice. That is really nice. See, I think, I think with whiskey, I haven't just got used to it enough because that's mm. normally I hate whiskey. I, and that's nice. I always struggle with anything straight. <laughs> struggle with anything straight, do you? I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, buy people only, please. Like, no, yeah, I struggle with like booze straight because I don't like any kind of like. Um, like bitter kickback so I always yeah. prefer something with mixer in but like I do really like whiskey and I would say that is one of the nicest whiskeys I've tried yeah I will admit again we did this thing where we put an ice cube in and then we take so long to set up the ice cube has <laughs> melted but it was a very small ice cube and so it's not quite straight it's basically got one ice cube worth of cold water in it it's essentially the booze equivalent of a guy that's like yeah I'm straight but also can you slip a finger yeah yeah I really like it. Thank you, Danny. I wasn't expecting to like this. Yeah, no, I, it's it's very nice. I may add some mixer. I may later. It... I'm probably going to drink this like, whole yeah. thing and then my second one I'll add a mixer. So as always, at the beginning, we have some thank yous to do. So these are some wonderful people who've left us reviews. Remember, if you want to shout out, just leave us a review either on iTunes or Facebook and we'll read you out. So first thank you goes to Julie and the Panda Pogos. Really? Julie and the Panda Pogos? I want to know the... Hi- you need to tweet us the history behind that name. Who says she loves us and she's sad we have no reviews? Julie. Okay, no. um, so, so, yeah. so to explain, Julie, thank you. You're so sweet. Um, On iTunes, you can only see the reviews of the country you're in. So as you're in Switzerland, you are our first Swiss reviewer. Woo! I love Switzerland. Julie. I've never been to Switzerland. Have you no, been? No, I've never been, but they're like one of the kind of more like um politically and socially acceptable countries. they are fantastic and julie we love you we have in fact got about 100 reviews but um, you now. can only see the re- yeah well over that now but you can only see reviews of the country you're in which makes you our first swiss reviewer so julie you're a star you are then also a big thank you to 12Y Gross, <laughs> love it who loves a tangents that we go on and thinks that we're knowledgeable Hannah is knowledgeable. You're very knowledgeable. Uh, I coast through this. I coast through. The accent makes us sound more intelligent. Yeah, whatever we say will sound really, really smart. Thank you to Monica215321, who says we keep her entertained during work. That's all I want. Get through the day, Monica. And then on to our Facebook reviews, a big thank you to Jamie Taylor Morris, who says 10 out of 10 would... F- I mean, listen. Yes. Thank you. We would the also listen slash fuck you. 10 out of 10. Mark says he loves every single episode, as you should, Mark. Thank you. And then a big thank you to Phoebe, who says that she spat out her iced tea. That was the first time she listened to us. Oh, really? That was what? what? I didn't write the full context. I'm sorry. Yeah, the first time she listened to us. Oh, shit. Yeah, because I remember when Phoebe tweeted us and was like, oh, I spat out my tea. So thank you to everyone that's left a review. Let's get into the chapters. It's getting heated. These are the penultimate two chapters. So not the penultimate chapter, the penultimate pair. Yeah. That makes sense? The penultimate episode, guys. Yeah. It's super exciting. And I, I think I can hear Neil. Chapter 19. The servant, servant of, of Lord Lord Voldemort. Lord Voldemort. 
<laughs> so the story continues where we left off, much like all the chapters at the end of the book. We just continue where we left off. And Snape... <laughs> Thank you for explaining a book to me. No, a lot of chapters in books use the chapter to start a new day or start a new period or a new time. Fuck off. Snape reveals that he came to Lupin's office to give him his potion because he forgot to take it. <gasps> Lupin had forgotten. You dozy bitch, Lupin. But Honestly, also, what the fuck? What the fuck? But also, it's mentioned in passing, and it's really clever how he's like, you forgot to take your potion, and then they move on. So therefore, when Lupin does go to transform, it is at least set up slightly. Yeah. Like, Hermione sure. remembers, oh, you forgot to take your potion, but I like that it's a half line here, because even if you don't really register, it sets a bit of tension in you. You're like, something's yeah. wrong. Something's yeah. wrong. Why didn't Lupin take the map? with him i guess he was panicked and he just kind of dropped just grab everything it, grab but it was in his office like why would anyone go in there no but he might need it like he's noticed they're all in the shrieking shack but what if they move and he needs to realize where they've moved to take the map with you lupin yeah but he he didn't and you know pop relies on it pop does rely on it. he found the marauders rap rap and the marauders rap uh, and realised where Lupin was going and assumed that he was going to help Black. Yeah, Snape ties Lupin up. Hermione tries to suggest listening to Black and Lupin and Snape calls her a stupid girl. I feel with rage. Yeah, A, that's gender. Yeah. B, wow, you know she's probably smarter than you, you yeah. absolute fucking dickhead. Do you, uh, like, actually quote it? He says, don't talk about something you don't understand. Which, like, actually just triggers me for the amount of fucking times I've heard men tell me to not talk about something because I don't understand it when actually I understand it better than them. Actual rage. So, yeah. Hannah, you will appreciate appreciate this tangent. The other day, a girl at work, bear in mind I work in, like, social media and content, so our job is literally all about kind of production of things, filming on phones and on cameras, blah, blah, blah. So her phone broke, fun fact, because she pissed on it. And then... I'm not going to question it. IT told her, he sent her an email, because she was basically like, you know, I need a new one for making content. He literally he sent her an email like, you know, the, the cameras that you have bought for your department are much better quality than your phones, and phones shouldn't be relied on for content creation because the SLRs that you have are so much better quality. Does that not just fuck off, you absolute yep. twat? Yeah. It's digital phone first obviously she's gonna film it. i can't yeah. even talk about it charlie don't look at me yeah mm-hmm. i mean she shouldn't have pissed on her phone but don't look at me so snape then tries to leave with them all he's like come on we're all leaving and harry chooses to walk across the room and block the door this is harry's choice he he says he decides in a split second to block snape because he wants to hear what black yeah. has to say even at this point he doesn't believe him yeah. So they then scream at each other. Yeah, but like Sirius says that so long as the rat comes up to the castle, he'll come quietly. And then Snape is just like, no, I'm calling the fucking Dementors. Dementors. <laughs> and he's just like, you're so fucking evil. Like, you know that there is the chance that this man has like an actual reason that he's But he innocent. doesn't know that. Like, he doesn't no, but know that. Like, no, but like Sirius is telling him and you think you're like, yeah, you may not trust him, but there is still a 1% chance that he has a legitimate reason. Yeah. 
And he's just like, no, like rather than taking you to the castle where the end result, you know, 99% chance the end result is still the same. I'm not even going to give you the chance to prove your innocence. I just want you dead. Like Snape, I'm sorry, I do not give two shits what anyone else says. Like these kind of moments are the moments that prove that Snape is evil because because of a fucking petty high school grudge he is willing to let this man die without any kind of trial or explanation yeah. just because of some stupid high school we didn't get along thing like snape is evil and yes he does the right thing in one context because of love but in literally any other situation where yeah. he's given free will yeah. he consistently does the wrong and evil horrible fucking disgusting thing yeah. and he literally would let an innocent man die because they didn't get along in school and we talked about the fact that we both agree that the joke that Sirius played was not a joke and was actually attempted murder and I understand that Snape's prejudice against Sirius in this moment doesn't come from just Sirius killed the Potters. Okay, number one, Snape is going to be really fucking angry about that because it means Lily died. But number two, Snape had this quote-unquote joke played off for him where, I'm sorry, the headmaster did know about this quote-unquote joke. Sirius should have been expelled for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I love Sirius. I really love Sirius. But if, if a child did that in a school... And yeah. I also don't believe in expulsion, but oh my god, his punishment should have been worse. Like, yeah. fucking hell. So I understand that Snape is really prejudiced against Sirius, but you're right. It's like with anything, and it's why I don't agree in general with, like, the, I don't agree at all. I don't mean in general. I don't agree with the death penalty in any country, because if there is even a 1% chance, then you are committing something worse than what originally happened. Yeah. It is abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Harry basically makes up his mind based on Snape's reaction as yeah. opposed to based on anything that Sirius and Lupin are saying. He is like, this man is against these two people and this for me says that they, you know, there's more going on here. And yeah, that he probably... doesn't quite believe them, but he wants to know more and he's willing to risk hurting Exactly. He's like, if this is Snape's judgment, then I know well enough to go against Snape's yeah. judgment. Which, which is clever. So then Harry, Ron, Hermione all cast Expelliarmus at the same time, which knocks Snape out because of the power of the quad- yeah. triple I, Expelliarmus. I love like the unity here, the synchronization. Like it's they, amazing. they just they form one mind, and we we covered it in the last episode. But the fact that you know they spent most of the book not all talking to each other, yeah. But then they just fucking come together in it, and it's it's almost foreshadowing in what a fucking unit they are. Yeah. Like, absolutely i wrote the same word unity yeah like honestly like it it is fucking incredible it like is. i i love it so much like they all have the same instinct and this is and you're no you're right it is instinct because it says harry makes up his mind to cast expelliarmus in yeah. a split second which means the other two did as well yeah without communicating verbally and or this, even looking at each other this is what i love like they were in such a moment they do not have all the information from no. either sides like this is such a hard choice to make yeah they don't have like any information any context literally all they can do is react on gut feeling and the gut feeling about what they know inside is right and all three of them come to the exact same decision in in a situation where it's impossible to make up your mind let alone for all three of them to come to the same conclusion they all come to it and in the exact same moment and i feel like this is so much foreshadowing for everything that happens later on in the books what an amazing trio they make and that it had to be these three people together and could have been anyone else because they have the exact same 
gut and I think opinion on wrong versus right. And I think the, the gut word in that is important because outwardly, the three of them are extremely different. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are two, three very, very different personalities. Like, kind of sometimes from an outside perspective, like, how do these three fit together? But it's their core reactions. That it's are the their same. moral core. Their moral core is the same in all three of them. And that is why they work together as a unit. Yeah. And they are a unit. Like, Harry is at his best when he's with the two of them. There is yeah. no denying that. Yeah, and I, I, I love all the theories about how they all represent one of the three houses, and I think I there do. are similar one theories. One of the three. Fuck, fuck the four. Uh, no, the three other houses. <laughs> the three other, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are similar theories on the Marauders as well, uh, but I, I love that for the trio because yeah. it is so true. They are all Gryffindors, but they all represent something from each of the different houses. A hundred percent. Oh, I love it. I love it. So Harry says that he still doesn't believe them but that he wants to hear them out they ask how Sirius found out where Scabbers is Sirius yeah. shows them the photograph from the Weasley family in Egypt he says that Fudge gave him it when he came for a prison visit and Harry's waving at me frantically it's so clever it's so it's, good it's so well written oh my god like I know other books have all the so Harry Potter has its plot all to, like the plot of every Harry Potter book is very succinct but book three is just like, you know that tiny thing that we mentioned in half a sentence, one page? We're bringing it back. It's so good because the photo is mentioned in chapter one, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's mentioned in chapter halfway through the book, I don't know, that Fudge brought the newspaper to black. Yeah. And we're all the way back again with this sentence. Yeah. I know. It really reminds me of my granny. Bit weird, but okay. She used to um, cut things out of newspapers for everything. And the reason why this specifically reminds me of it is she used to cut anything to do with Harry Potter out of the newspaper for me. Internet did exist, but obviously my grand didn't use it. You know, nowadays, like your mum will link you to an article that you should read. Oh yeah, my Facebook feed is literally just my mum posting like Jamie Oliver um, (laughs) recipes. And I'm just like, Mum, you know I don't like Jamie Oliver. He's a massive fucking Tory. Like, this recipe has meat in. Why are you sending it to me? <laughs> the recipe has meat in. It's what she does. So my gran, who never understood the internet, but she used to cut an article out of a newspaper and then give it to me. Much like nowadays you would post on Facebook, but she just used to give it to me. But what she always used to give to me was articles about harry potter and obviously in the time this was happening like when i was growing up there were so many articles about harry potter so my grandma would come around with basically a folder oh yes but it just reminded me when sirius like pulls out this newspaper clipping i'm like it's like my granny (laughs) my granny and sirius back are the same i love that that's so cute it just it's like uh I guess, like, posting on Facebook rules is the same, but it's just fucking not. It's like, not. Now, like, I just get, like, five DMs a day from my mum on Twitter, and it's really not the same as if she fucking cut out a newspaper print. I might, yeah. like, might, like, demand her, like, I only refuse to look at, like, <laughs> I will content look from at you. paper and ink. <laughs> yes. Yes. I will only look at something if it's owned by Rupert Murdoch. The fact is, Sirius still recognises Peter from a black and white photograph he's like oh i could have spotted him anywhere we spent so many hours together i'm like it's a rat at the end of the day serious how distinctive is that fucking rat that you can recognize him like fair enough a photograph but you know what photograph quality is like in a newspaper don't you and it was hardly like a fucking close-up of the rat and he mentions about the missing i'm sorry the size of that rat's ratty hand paw things like 
No. I don't know what rats have. I've not had a conversation with a Maybe rat. Maybe wizarding newspapers are like HD photographs. But like even then it would be small. Yeah. Like small. Very small. 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 <laughs> but this is the moment where it's revealed that Peter cut off his own finger. Yeah, he did. Because we know previously that the largest bit of him that was left was a finger. And this is the yeah. moment where we learn that he self-mutilated himself. Yeah. Sirius says that when he confronted Peter, he yelled, Peter, basically, yelled that Sirius betrayed Lily and James, blew apart the street, cut off his finger, transformed into a rat, and ran into the sewer. It's clever. Ah. Oh clever it's it's so beyond clever it's smart and it's thought out and i just i know that in harry potter we have a lot of views about characters that are made when we're very young because we read it as a young reader and then we never go back and correct it and this is part of the podcast the fact that we're going back and we're doing this deep reading and we're kind of correcting our the notions that we have that we've had since we first read this as children And with what is actually in the text and within the canon. But this is, you know, an opinion that I have always had. But there is this, like, preconception about Peter Pettigrew that he was this kind of, like, stupid, cowardly, Mm. kind of, you know, shaking, sycophantic, like, unsympathetic, like, damn-ass character that just followed them around obediently. Yeah. And this is never at all what I've read in the text. I've always really, really defended and people would say, like, he is not remotely Gryffindor, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, like, he was a spy for Lord Voldemort. That is, you he have to be so... another sense. Yeah, like, not a great kind of bravery, but definitely a bravery. Yeah. And he, I'm sorry, he is smart and... I think that some of the smartest people are the people that are best at acting as if they aren't smart. And this is to kind of put it into a context that is completely out of context. But so like something that like I've always done in my career, and this is going to just make me sound like weirdly terrifying. Such a strong thing to be able to do in your career is to make yourself sound sometimes more naive than you are. And obviously there are times when you want to sound more confident and more intelligent than you are. But Mm. there is also a lot. I I feel like a lot of the time on the podcast, I sound like such a classic Hufflepuff and people must be like, she's not Slytherin. This is one of the times when I pull out my Slytherin thing. But like there is a lot to be said for having people underestimate you. The power of having people underestimate you is just an incredible power. And there are times when you want to play the naive card to get people on your side. Oh, and I you, do that. Like, yeah. Like I, I almost don't want to say this, but I do that regularly in work in many different senses but yeah it, it is a car it sounds really it evil, sounds yeah but it, it's or not just like, really dumb but a hundred percent there are times when you want to seem above your station but there are also times when you want to seem below your station to make people trust you and, and underestimate you and it's not the fact we're doing this because we're cunning the whole time the like a working environment especially a corporate working environment is almost constantly a, a, an element of game playing. Yeah. You've got to constantly kind of recognise the room and what's going on. And yeah, doing that kind of thing, whether underestimating or overestimating yourself or underplaying or overplaying yourself is just a method of playing into the the game. I'm really sorry if anyone is, work from listen, is listening from work. <laughs> You're yeah. all great. I don't do that often in this company that I work for currently, but I have done it a lot in other companies. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I don't do it a lot where I am now at all. But very much like back when I was like an intern oh, assistant, yeah. there was there was so much, you know, 
pretending to be listening you know completely fascinated by what my boss is saying because it feeds into their ego oh yeah and playing that kind of like stupid naive card to get her trust and get on her good side to get information that that could help me or to make her trust me yeah um this really sounds a lot more evil than i mean it but that that 100 is a skill and it's a type of intelligent and a type of like tactfulness mm. And this is what Peter does. Like, Peter is incredibly intelligent. At the end of the day, everything that we learn about Sirius, both in this book and in the later books, is that Sirius is exceptionally intelligent. But at the end of the day, he is easily, easily outsmarted by Peter Pettigrew in this situation. He is completely defenseless against him. Peter has thought this out. It's not something he's done on the fly. Like, Peter has made a calculated decision who to place his bet in, and then he is thought through what he's doing and come up with a plan that he executed perfectly without being suspicious and without anyone like being able to prepare against him and it is something incredibly intelligent it it shows both you know Gryffindor bravery Ravenclaw intelligence and Slytherin like cunning and yes at the end of the day he places his bets in the wrong side all of the information that he had at the time this was the right at the end of not the, day. the right morally but like the right tactfully call to make and and there I, also isn't spoilers for all the future books but there isn't a right or wrong side with the marauders versus the death eaters all of them die yeah all of them this journey obviously there's like the morally right but you know you're you're talking if, about if talking pure about, survival instinct it, yeah if we're talking about survival instinct and this is a really good point that we'll bring up a lot in book seven is the futility of war because even the people who are fighting to make the world better die. Yeah. So you are fighting to make a world better for the people who will come after you. And at the end of the day, Sirius and Remus are fighting for the good side, but they fight by giving up their lives so that the future generations will be better off. They don't fight for the world that they are going to live in. Yeah. And Peter is trying to fight so that he can live in a world that will protect him the most, and it still kills him. Yeah. At the end of the day... I think the point of the Harry Potter books is like a lot of the point is war kills everyone and you can see that in the Marauders but no you're right like I was going to bring this up later but I'll bring it up now Sirius believed that Lupin was the spy and Lupin believed that Sirius was the spy they both asked each other to apologize for them thinking the other was the spy Peter was so intelligent that Sirius and Remus didn't even suspect yeah Peter was so intelligent he flew under the radar Peter was so intelligent that they made he made two best friends suspect each other rather than him when he to us as the reader because we've only ever known the adult him is the obvious villain yeah but what amazed me about this is that peter ruined the friendship long before he made the decision yeah to turn in james and lily he had killed that friendship by turning remus and lupin and in a sense james all against each other yeah they all suspected each other how horrific that the friendship was already dead because they'd done that it's it's really fucking sad. The whole thing about the Marauders yeah. is sad. Yeah. And like, it's honestly, he, I would argue that he is one of, if not the most intelligent character that we come across in the book because he makes, he makes himself seem so cowardly and mm. incompetent that, you know, these two best friends would rather suspect themselves and him because they just see him as inconse- inconsequential. Bear in mind, you do have to make, you do have to be a certain level of intelligent and powerful to make yourself into an animagi like they say that they kind of carried him through the process that is bullshit it is like you could not just be guided you do have to 
but he he manages to make himself seem so fucking inconsequential and unpowerful and you know such like a follower that they don't suspect him the government don't suspect him Voldemort doesn't suspect him like Mm. we see later on like Voldemort even though he kind of you know on paper knows that he could be a threat because of the fact that Harry has you know um saved his life and because you know that he has been a double agent like no one ever suspects him and they treat him like shit because they just do not remotely view him as a threat and yet he proves time and time after again that actually he's the one that you should be betting for because he makes or break this he he betrays Lily and James and results in their death and eventually he betrays Voldemort and results in his death yeah. Peter Pettigrew he is the completely the I can't remember the term but he's the decision maker in this no one bets on him because he does such good job of strategically putting himself in a place where everyone underestimates him to protect himself yeah he's an extremely well-written character because he's so much about self-protection almost every other character in this book is either motivated by the love or wanting to protect someone else like even snape it's all about protecting lily voldemort is about self-protection but in a different sense but pettigrew's entire motivation is self-protection but I find it interesting that he'd want to self-protect to the point where he has nothing left around him. Yeah. Because to me, obviously, all humans have an instinct to self-protect. But I only see the point in self-protecting if I have something left yeah. afterwards. Like He has nothing in his life. Exactly. What's the point in me ensuring I survive if I have no family or no friends left around me? Yeah. Like, not in a really but, dark way. This is part of why I think he's so beyond intelligent than everyone else. Like, he spends 12 years living as a rat. At any point in that time, he could have come out in hiding. Obviously, he couldn't be he like, yo. Harry in a heartbeat. He could have yeah. transformed in the bedroom whilst Harry was asleep and just murdered him. Or even he, he could have just wandered off and gone and lived in Spain or something. But there he, are hotter countries than England. Greece is lovely. Yeah. But he doesn't because he is one of the only people, I believe, in the wizarding world that truly does know and appreciate that Voldemort is coming back and he keeps himself in Mm. a position of power that he can then, you know, either attack Harry or in the end use his position to aid Voldemort to get back in his good books. Mm. He is one of the only people in the wizarding world that knows that Voldemort is going to come back and he keeps himself in that position. Otherwise, he would have just fucked off to Spain. Yeah. But he is so intelligent that he knows that he is coming back and he uses that to his advantage. And it just annoys me when people are like, I feel like Peter is often uses the example of, because we all know that the sorting house situation is bullshit but people most often use him as being like he was completely cowardly look at all of his actions he was such a timid coward the entire way through he is he is the best example of you know why the house system is bullshit but no he is one of the best examples he is so brave he he more so than snape even plays both sides he is so brave he constantly puts himself at risk and it's you know obviously it's for the really shitty selfish reasons of self-preservation but he is one of the best examples of a character who is just brave through and throughout, not for good reasons, but for bad reasons. But he 100% is incredibly brave to do everything that he does. He is shitty and he makes the wrong choices and I, and I, I very much do not like him. But there is no denying that he's one of the most intelligent and the most brave characters within the entire season. End round, fucking mic drop if it wasn't in a stand. That was fantastic. Thank you. This is the kind of end of book shit I love. Thank mm-hmm. you. No, honestly, I had written a few notes about that, but you just took that to a whole different level. 
I it's my pet peeve when people are like, but Peter was a Gryffindor and he's a coward. I'm like, don't fucking get me started. That was a, I honestly had barely thought of that. So thank you. I really feel like I learned something from that. Cool. Thanks. Uh, honestly, I'm not very good at coming up with genuine. Uh, everyone pretend I didn't just make an intelligent point. Where's a dick joke I can make? Dick jokes. We find out Crookshanks has been the one helping Sirius the whole time. Yes. Look, so I been, love a good cat. <laughs> he's been stealing the passwords to the common room and uh-huh. giving them to Sirius. But also, Sirius said things like, Crookshanks told me that blah, blah, yeah. blah. I'm sorry. Like, I know that Crookshanks is part Neasel and Sirius in dog form is an animagus, but still, how are they communicating? I need I, more information. I know. And like, uh, but I just love how he's like, he could instantly see that I wasn't, you know, that... Mm. I wasn't a dog, and that he could see, he could see that um Peter wasn't a rat. I just ah, oh, I love this fucking cat. How are they talking? To I love cats? all cats. But I know that not everything has to be explained with words. Like I understand that we can just communication, communication. But yeah, there is in the text things that later on say that he straight up fucking told it. Yeah, like but shit. Also, that's not like just communicated things but, that are just like you need to have a conversation about this. But from David Attenborough, I've learned that dolphins literally talk to each other. Yeah, no, they're so intelligent. It's Let's do like... the rest of the podcast as dolphins. <laughs> but it's not just like, I'm going to die. It's like full-on conversations, almost. Okay, we have a very human understanding of communication. We think words are communication. It's not. There are so many other forms of communication other than yeah. words that, as people that speak, we don't really fully appreciate. And I think that's what the text doesn't need to explain to us that you know, Crookshanks didn't do a mime to say, "Oh my god, no!" I want a fanfic just about the charades. <laughs> the charades. They communicate in a different way. And a Ouija board. A Ouija board. We don't need to fully understand that communication yeah. to know that it was communication. Yeah. But also, Crookshanks is a fucking legend. I just oh, best character out of best character. Caesar. Best character. Oh. I'm turning a page. Sirius finally says that he has good as killed as harry's parents yeah. not that he did it which like it's been two fucking chapters serious thank you fucking elf for saying that oh my yeah God. i know finally fucking communicating so he persuaded them to switch to peter as their secret keeper uh. he went to check on peter in his hiding play place and he wasn't there so he rushed to lily and james's which means he was the first one to see the oh, bodies no. I know, and he specifically says he was like, the house was blown up and I saw their bodies. Can you, right, let's just actually get horribly real for a moment. Imagine, uh, we're really good friends. One of us died. No, we're not. I don't really like you. (laughs) I'm only here because I really like Neil. Okay, so I died and so did Neil. I would and be so sad about Neil dying the and then I would kind of be like, eh, you were the I'm kind of glad that Hannah's died the, because now I get all of shut the... Up, <laughs> shut up. You were the first to this flat and you found mine and Neil's bodies. I would literally never recover. I would it's just kill myself. fucking horrific. No, but if I was the first on the scene to your... It's, I don't even want to talk about it. It's fucking horrific. I genuinely could not handle seeing... No, like seeing, no, seeing your bodies. No, just no, just n- literally no. Exactly, like, my brain shuts down. But I wouldn't, also, I couldn't. But also, the literary device, the, the, the plot in this is amazing because we know from chapter one, book one, that Sirius gives Hagrid the motorbike yeah. and now we're finding out why he was there. 
the first one on scene because when you find out he's the murderer that kind of makes sense you're like maybe he was the first one on scene because he killed them he was the first one on scene because he went to check on peter peter was gone so yeah. he ran to lillian james's ran apparated whatever yeah to make sure they were okay and, and they were dead yeah <gasps> and i think the i thing, can't cope with this yeah and i think the thing about him seeing their bodies as well is we find out later on in the books that it's not like they were frolicking in the garden like you know james was in the front room and lily was in the back bedroom so it's the fact that not only did you know he came and he saw the house exploded he didn't just be like hmm, they're probably dead but he went in he went to this house that is you know just being blown apart that still could be on fire or crumbling or whatever you know you could put him at risk and that he knows that he there's knows nothing good to come out of going in there but he knows but as he, soon as he went yeah. to peter's house that something yeah. was wrong but Can still he's yeah and he he sees this house that's been blown to bits and he walks in and first of all he sees his best friend the person that's been his best friend since he was 11 the person that's basically that's, adopted him yeah that's basically been his brother and then he continues upstairs and then he sees Lily's body and he sees the crying baby and presumably he pulls Harry out of the wreckage and he hands it to Hagrid. Yeah, because Hagrid, Hagrid says Sirius begged him to give him Harry. Yeah. It's the kind of shit where this book is written for children. This is why I'm so glad we do this podcast like from an adult reading because... You know, as a kid, you gloss over, not that you gloss over this, but you read it as just textually. Sirius was first in the house. But as adults, we're reading, Sirius was first to see the dead bodies of his best friend. And I sometimes question, why would Sirius want to kill Peter in cold blood? Surely you just want to send him to Azkaban so you can be free? But no, if you, if, if I was the first on scene to find your body, I would rather... I think, hands-on kill whoever had done it to you and spend my life in prison. Really? I don't know. You don't yeah. until you're in that situation. Okay. But it's very different. So if you've been killed by someone, okay, you've been murdered. Yeah. And I find out Finally. a day later from your mum. It's, it's inevitable that I'm going to be murdered. Stop it. I find out a day later from your mum. I'm tragically sad. I find out who did it to you. I want them in prison for the rest of my life. If I had been first on... If I had also been friends with the person that killed you had then been first on scene when you died i had then been in a room with the person who did it to you i don't know but i imagine an instinct would take over where i would rather kill them and spend my life in jail than send them to jail because i want yeah. revenge okay i love you I'm very <laughs> don't be murdered <laughs> like i was thinking about this and i was thinking about this later on in a text where it's the bit where sirius and lupin are like how we kill him together. yeah i made a lot of notes about this yeah. so shall we kill him bit? i mean my note was just extreme friendship mode <laughs> but like and I, and I was i was genuinely genuinely thinking about this and i was thinking about like if you and neil were killed and like obviously you could never tell him uh, until you're in that context and no. obviously i would be like mildly upset but like <laughs> thank you <laughs> no like obviously i would be fucking distraught and angry and i would want that person to spend the rest of their life in jail I would want them dead. Like, no doubt about it. I would want them dead. Yeah. But would I want to murder them? Like, I think with context changes like, with the fact that I, Sirius went to the... It, the yeah, had. like, I um, think that's what changes the context for me. Yeah, and, like, obviously, you you can never, 
ever 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 no like maybe no. i would want to actually physically kill with my hands the per- like I, I just don't know but i just it just to murder someone regardless of the context just seems so fucking extreme yeah and we'll like, come back it to just seems literally... like only the kind of thing that nathan from our discord would do yeah um but to like i just yeah. Even though, like, I love you and Neil with, like, all of my heart, like, I could never... I would want the person dead. Would I want to murder them? No. I just... I I can't imagine ever having that urge, personally. Yeah, but at the same time, I've never had someone, luckily, someone murdered. I know be murdered. <laughs> yes. um, luckily, no one I've never known has been murdered. Yeah, but... Thank um, God. Yeah, the quote I wrote down from this bit was, I realised what Peter had done what are done and it's just a fact that Sirius cannot separate these two things he just associates this with his fault that this is his failing to see what no one else saw in peter and that he just views this entirely as fault but also he made the switch like okay so imagine moments where you've made the wrong decision we've both made terrible decisions at some point everyone has made terrible decisions at some point i've never done a single wrong thing in my life shut up um, we've all made at some point that decision where you suddenly realise what you've done and your entire insides turn to ice and you realise that. But imagine the consequences of that decision are that two of your best friends have died. It's a whole nother level. Yeah, you done goofed. <laughs> it's all in a fucking kid's book. This this book is meant to be aimed at 13-year-olds. No, we've just spent about 15 minutes discussing about two sentences of the book. Like, fucking hell. Like, and this is just the shit that you can't comprehend when you first read this. No, you cannot comprehend this kind of stuff. No. And also, it's a real, and I come back to this, I think in the next episode with Neil, we're going to come back to this, but I'm going to touch on it now. The comprehension of death is something that, as a child and you're first reading, you're kind of like, oh, it's sad that his best friends died. And, and obviously, some children, and I will come back to this in a lot more detail in the final two chapters, there is a lot of children who have experienced death in some form. Of, of some kind of a family member of a friend but when you're an adult you you really have a comprehension of what death means for both you and for everyone around you so as an adult reader you really understand Sirius's emo the emotional impact Sirius of his best friend's dying because you have the comprehension of what death does it's just so clever the way that this text is woven that it's appropriate for children but also We've just spent 15 minutes talking about two sentences. For sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a Peter transforms uh, into a man. <laughs> yeah. So Sirius uses Snape's wand and him and Lupin Carter's spell on Scabbers. Scabbers transforms into a man. And I just. Ron must feel so violated. And I this literally is, meant. This, I this, literally put poor Ron in this moment. Yeah. And just like wow. it's not explored much. And it's explored like several million lines later on. And even then like with the throwaway comment about how Ron's just like. You shared my bed. But and also Ron like Jen- chooses to chain himself to Peter. And yeah. Harry's like, it must be because he's so angry. I'm like, he literally, this is traumatic. I would find yeah. this so traumatic. It's fucking horrifying. And I don't know if this is because we're viewing it through like female eyes where we just like, if we discovered that we were like sharing a bed with um, an adult like, man. Yeah, an adult man is like when you pre-teens. Were a, not just preteens. Ron, it's implied that Ron had had him since Percy had got the owl, yeah. so Ron had been eight or nine when he got this rat. Mm-hmm. No, it's eleven, gross. ten, whatever. It doesn't yeah, matter. whatever. Doesn't matter. Still gross. Still, still. Uh, Percy had also shared a bed with this rat, and also like when you think about the emotional connection that you have to your pet, like I, I love my pet. Oh, like I just, I can't. 
like I really can't and like so like my parents have like only two cats right now but neither of them are technically mine one my of the- parents gave away my cat I don't know how you've spoken to them since but like emotional connection like my parents they've always had three cats at a time and we've always kind of had one obviously we spend equal amount of times with each cat and it kind of is a completely petty okay this one's your cat and this one's your cat but yeah. you know we always had one cat was mine one cat was my sister's and one cat was my mum's and fuck you dad so yeah like cookie was mine and even though like i was i was no closer to her than like any of the other cats like you have that bond when it's your cat it's 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 your animal and your pet and animals are a very interesting bond because it's not the bond you have with a child or with a yeah. sibling it's a very different bond that you have with an animal. Yeah, like for sure. And, you know, this time last year, she was my cat cookie. She was very, very, very ill for like several months. And then like I came home and I know that the same thing has happened to Hannah. We had a conversation about did. it before it happened to me, but... Both of Yeah, and... Yeah, she, she waited for me. She was really, really ill for a very long time mm-hmm. and very skinny and on the bed dying. And my mum was literally waiting until I came home for Christmas so that I could say goodbye before my mum t- took her to the vets to be put down. And so my mum didn't take him to the vet, even though she really should have at that point. But she wanted me to be, be able to say goodbye. I came home for Christmas, you know, to say goodbye. And my mum was like, in the morning, we'll, we'll, we'll take her to the vets in the morning. And then we woke up that this morning that morning and the morning i came home and she'd passed away on the doorstep no like it's it's fine i'm old enough and you know but what's weird is the same thing happened yeah like but like i don't need to repeat the story because my cat bertie the same thing happened like i was at university and my mom was calling me most days like bertie's gonna die or i'm gonna take him to the vet but i want to wait for you you know like i'm really hoping he'll hold out till you get home for christmas i got home and I laid with him on the floor, and we had this time together, and then two mornings later, he was dead. Yeah, mine was literally the next day, though. Like, they do, and, like, this, this this seems like a really irrelevant rant, but, like, it's, it, it is that bed, that bond that you have with the pet, and they're your trusted, and, and, and it's Ron had this with his rat that he had since, since such a young age. And he used to joke that he didn't like scabbers, but I used he to did. joke that Bertie annoyed me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I loved Bertie more than yeah, anything. Yeah, like, of course cookie. he annoyed me. Cookie was insane. She was the single most neurotic cat you've ever met, and she was also a lesbian. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm bisexual, and I am the most neurotic human being you've ever met. This cat was meant for me. Like, she was my cat. She she mirrored my reflection. You could not take a piss without her watching your vagina. Like, oh, and she was yeah. insane. She was so neurotic. Like, she'd be like, pet me, pet me, pet me, pet me, pet right. me. And then you would show her some love and she'd be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. No, no, get away from me. Get away from me. Like, she wouldn't That's bite you, you, but she'd just. That's you and yes. You're like, I want love and I touch people. I know. Like, Whenever Hannah me, shows bitch. me affection, I'm like, don't touch me um like yeah like she she was just me as a cat and she she was insane and i loved her so much and and just for ron he's had this this rat that even though he he gave a lot of shit like he trusted him so much i feel like we've been talking for 20 minutes about pets but like he did and then to find out that not only was this this animal Um, a a person but like this horrible like old man that was fucking evil and resulted in his best friend's parents your best friend's parents He had killed your best friend's parents and he was sleeping in your bed. I don't think Ron has given enough 
time and character development to realize that he Nuh-uh. should be getting over yep. this. This is emotionally traumatizing. This is a, you need therapy. Put yeah. therapy in court. Yeah. One of the many like therapy requiring moments. Please. Yeah. For yeah. Rob. Yeah. Anyway, tweet so- us about your pets. Tweet us the name of your yes. pet. That's all I want. Just no photos Sometimes. unless they're a dog. Um, I no, I want a dog. No, a dog. Please keep dogs the dogs away. No, no. photo for dog. Dogs just, are disgusting. Just send it to me. So, goblet of wine, brackets Hannah, and then Charlie won't look. And we'll look. It will make us really happy. We'll rate your pets. Rate your pets. So Peter tries to call them his friends, and then Sirius says that he's... Sirius, Sirius says, claims that Peter's been waiting to hear if Voldemort would get powerful again. Yes. He's like, you've been waiting for that. And then Hermione asks, Hermione tries to ask Sirius a question and says, Mr. Black, the purest fucking thing I've ever read. Like, Hermione was raised right, number one, that when you don't know someone, you refer to them as Sir, Mr., Miss, Madam. But also Sirius, like, jumps at being referred to as Mr. And it's just so fucking pure. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally, she is a babe. Yep. So, Sirius reveals that Voldemort supporters think that Peter betrayed them because obviously Peter gave him information that led to his downfall. So, he says, you've not been hiding from us or from Harry this entire time. You've been hiding from Voldemort supporters. Mm. Harry is like, um, how did you escape? Or Hermione asks it. Or someone asks it. I don't fucking know. I think it was Hermione. That's when she Probably said, Mr. Hermione. Black. Mr. Black. Mr. Black. But how did you escape? So he says that he only didn't lose his mind because he knew that he was innocent. And Which that is very thought. Interesting. It wasn't a happy thought, but it also wasn't a negative thought. And I love this. It's fucking literary genius, you know, because that isn't a good thought. That isn't a bad thought. It's this kind of mixture of both. It so is. you can that see why he didn't lose you, it. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting thought. Oh, this book because, is so intense. Yeah, it's so deep. Like when, when something isn't a bad thought, they can't. You know, it's not a sad thought. They can't suck you from it. Suck you from it. <laughs> oh shush. Like it's you know it's not a bad, it's not a happy thought, so they can't take it away from you. But it's not a bad thought, so mm. you can't wallow in it. In it, it's some weird concoction of both, and it shows that. Whatever magic the Dementors are kind of using, it, it it's a very black and white form where it's like, Good if I bad. cannot categor- categorize this, yeah, which then... is the same way, like, it, no, it's the same way that Sirius explains that when he's in dog form, his emotions are less complex and the Dementors can't take that from him. So you're right, it's yeah. very black and white in that the Dementors are like, this is a good this is a bad Mm -hmm. and as a dog they can't sense that and this thought that he's innocent they can't take from him so this is the moment where harry chooses believe sirius the sentence is something like and harry believed him and this is a really really powerful moment in the books because for the first one of the first times i believe harry's decisions are really driving the plot so if you think about book ones and what ones one and two, Harry is kind of quite passive as a character. You know, he does choose to go down into the the, the trapdoor and the chamber of secrets, but a lot of things are kind of happening to I Harry. I just realised that a lot of these like final penultimate action, like literally, okay, so like first book, trap he door. goes through a trapdoor, he physically goes down. Second book, he physically goes down into the chamber. Third book. Physically goes down below the tree. Joking around when it likes holes, Charlie. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Bad things happen when you enter holes. <laughs> but a lot of it isn't about Harry's decision-making process. Harry, in the first few bits especially, is quite a passive character. Things 
happen to him and around him. Once he's in the trapdoor, things are happening around him. Once he's in the chamber of secrets, things are happening around him. At this point, Harry is the driving force of the plot because he has to make a decision about whether he believes Sirius. And what is about to happen next is based on his decision. And it, it shows the books are getting more adult when we are seeing plot through the lens of Harry's decision making. You know, the more adult you get, the more decisions you're allowed. And as Charlie is very aware, she hates decisions. So she's a shit adult. <laughs> I hate decisions too. But you are worse than me, which is impressive. I make you make my decisions. I know. It's really annoying. I'm just like, Hannah, what do I do about this career move? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not in your career. But here's my gut <laughs> instinct. Sometimes it's easier to see things from an outside perspective, to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, Harry's decision is driving the plot forward and he's so he chose to silence snape by stunt by expelling him he chose to silence snape and now he's choosing to then he chose to listen to black mm-hmm. and now he's choosing to believe black and this entire scene could and would have played out differently if harry didn't choose and it's it's basically the story getting more grown up as harry is being given the ability to make decisions yeah is the point i'm trying to make i really love that you just had such a eloquent monologue about that my note is harry believes him he's hot so he must be good <laughs> anyway so <laughs> he's not hot at this point he's kind of gross he hasn't brushed his teeth in a I year i feel like i feel like he's growing Would on harry Harry's just like, if i hadn't brushed my teeth in a year i'm not your friend so lupin assumes that sirius thought lupin was a spy and that's... no lupin assumes that yeah lupin assumes that, that sirius, sirius thought, thought lupin, lupin was the spy, the spy. And that's why he didn't tell him about the plan, Kane. And Sirius assumed that Lupin thought that Sirius was a spy. Well, Lupin... No, Sirius knows that Lupin did since think that he was a spy because he spent but 12 he years in Azkaban. No, he also thought he was the spy at the time. It, no, it never actually says that. It's, it does say that. No, 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 yes, no. Yes, it No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. No, seriously, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. I, I can tell you this now. All that Lupin does... Lupin says, I'm sorry for thinking that you was the spy, which only implies that he thought it since. Really? It doesn't elaborate into it at all. I'm going to check. Not because I don't believe you, just because I wrote down that they both thought they were the spy previously, because that was the point I was making no. Peter had broken yeah, yeah, the friendship Yeah, they before. both thought it previously, but that, all that implies is that while Sirius was in prison... Lupin thought he was spy. It doesn't say, you know, before. Wouldn't Sirius have told you they changed the plan? Not if he thought I was the spy, Peter, said Lupin. I assume that's why you didn't tell me, Sirius, he said casually over Peter Pettigrew's head. Forgive me, Remus. Not at all, Padfoot, old friend, said Lupin, who is now rolling up his sleeves. And will you in turn forgive me for believing you were the spy? See, I read that line as that Lupin had believed, because they knew there was a spy in their midst the whole time. Mm -hmm. I read that line as Lupin believing that Sirius was the spy the whole time. No, I think because they just had a whole conversation about how Lupin believed that entire time when he was in jail, he didn't realise that actually it was Peter. So I read that as Lupin saying, I'm sorry for believing that for the past 12 years. But it That's could be right. anything, or it, it could, could be, be both. Yeah. But um, it's an interesting line. So they so, decide to kill him. Yeah, so I wrote down the quote, shall we kill him together, which is where I wrote the extreme friendship mode. Also, very matter of fact for two people who, by the sounds of it, haven't done any murder before. 
Like, this is their first murder. Fair enough if you've done some murder before, being this matter-of-fact about I it. I mean, but they're very matter-of-fact for the lack of murder. We don't know. Done. There could be an entire side plot where they do just casually murder people completely I mean, unrelated to anything else. And they've else. also been in a war. They could have murdered some Death Eaters for all I know. To be fair, they could have. So Peter starts begging his life and Harry tells Lupin and Sirius not to kill him. Yeah, he's interesting how like Peter moves around everyone. First yeah. he tries Remus and Sirius and then... He tries the trio, like he tries Ron and he tries Hermione, and they move to kill Peter. And I find it really interesting that neither Ron or Hermione intervene. Yeah. Like, I think everyone in the room knows that it's Harry's fault. And like, Sirius and Lupin say this later on, they're like, you were the only one that can decide. And I I feel like Ron and Hermione are right there on that boat where they're just like, this is Harry's choice. I, Harry. I find it, I actually find it, maybe this is sexist or prejudiced because I love Hermione so much, but I find it very shocking from Hermione. The text explicitly, they don't give as much information wrong, but the text says explicitly that Hermione turns the wall and covers her eyes. Yeah. I find it really interesting because she has a very moral heart in the fact that she believes in, in the fact that she believes in the system, therefore the justice system, therefore that there should be a fair trial. But she doesn't intervene. But I wrote that maybe she knows that it's revenge and she knows it's Harry's decision. If she, mm. And if she intervened, it's it's not her place. Yeah, I think like there are so many times I know constantly when me and you have conversations where I feel like we are both that kind of person. We always try and put ourselves in other people's foot, like feet, foot, shoes, si- situations. Shoes. So like no matter what we're discussing, whether it's kind of a more social or like political issue or yeah. something fictional whatever it is i know that we are both the kind of people where we say oh but you know we couldn't possibly imagine or we've never been in that situation you know we can only hypothesize and we never will really know and i feel like that's what hermione is doing right now she's like i both of my parents are uh, alive i could never possibly know how it feels to have dead parents let alone to be in this kind of clusterfuck of a situation i feel like hermione is emotionally intelligent enough to be like only harry can decide here yeah and Harry does indeed intervene and says that his dad wouldn't have wanted his two best friends to become murderers. Yeah. And obviously we know later on how dis- how important this decision becomes. But again, it just shows how much this chapter is about Harry's choices. A defining moment in Harry Potter. Yeah. That is about his choices. And these are the choices that define him as the chosen one. And this comes up a lot in book six about what makes Harry the chosen one. Because we learn that prophecies don't really mean a fucking thing. Dumbledore basically says it in book six. It's not about what has been predetermined for Harry. It's about the fact that he could never let Voldemort rest because he killed his parents. And like it's this moment where Harry really shows himself as the chosen one. Because he is making the decision against all his better judgment to let Peter live. Yeah. And the thing is, I I love these decisions that come through when Harry's quite young because I feel like when Harry's older and he has more context on the situation, all of his decisions and his thought process and everything about him is incredibly laboured in the fact that he kind of knows that he's kind of geared up for this responsibility and this final battle. Mm. When Harry is this young, he he has no context on that. He's very much reacting outside of knowing that he's the chosen one the moment he becomes you know the knows the knowledge of the bullshit prophecy that he's the chosen one everything he does and he starts to question you know well um dumbledore says that 
my strength and the, the thing that sets me aside from Voldemort is my ability to love but at this age he doesn't know that and he makes these kind of decisions purely based on absolutely nothing external than his kind of like instinctive reaction and this is such an amazing reaction from him where he does think outside of himself and what his dad would have wanted and the thing that that is right not only for him not only for Peter but also for Sirius and Lupin and these are one of the moments where like I have no doubt that Harry's parents were watching him and I I don't believe this is a real world thing I don't believe that people are watching us or you know just my personal opinion that like heaven or any similar things are a thing but we know later on that there is some kind of afterlife within the wizarding world Mm. and that james and lily have been watching him and this these are one of the moments where i really hope that you know i think that james is watching him and just feeling like fucking yes son like my you know he's doing exactly what harry would have wanted to and i love that this moment is just wonderfully unfiltered by any kind of responsibility from harry and it's literally just harry's gut responsibility of my dad not would not have wanted his best friends to become murderers and this is not the thing in this situation that is right and we need to actually let you know the the system come to the conclusion that it comes to and have him have the official yeah and i think it i think it also shows the maturity of harry because i think knowing james as we do from the text James, at the age Harry is now, would have killed Sirius. Would have killed Peter. Yeah. And I think what the text but is But would showing, he, though? I think he's yes. a very immature person, but I feel like murder is like a whole other fucking level. No, I think, I think what the text is trying to say to us that Harry is the combination of James and Lily. Yeah. Lily never would have yeah. let Peter die. I think, and I'm saying this at 13, not at 21 when James died, I think that James would have killed peter but i think harry is the combination of lily james lily and james also the combination of his experience he has been through so much yeah so much so young. Oh, yeah he's and he is, he's matured by what he's been yeah and he is the combination of his own experience and that's why he steps up and says no and this is a very mature decision for a 13 year old like as a 25 year old i'm like yeah i would stop and say don't kill this person but as a 13-year-old, that is a momentous decision to be making. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. They tie Peter up and tell him not to transform. I hate this so much. Stun him. Stun uh, him. Uh, just stun him. Petrify him. him. He, he, he's clearly going to transform. Like, he, he betrayed Ropes one of his best friends in the life. It's not like he's going to be like, oh, I said I wouldn't per- transform. Just of course he's going to fucking... Stun. Oh. You are magic. Put him in something. Stun him. I don't care. But why have you only tied him? Oh, my God. My brain is dying at this point. So they leave the shack. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Chapter 20. The Dementors, the Dementors kiss. kiss. So Seriously. they all leave the shack. Yeah. I couldn't work out how to spell shack at this point. So I just put S-H-A-K. I missed the C. Oh, and I was like, that's right, isn't it? The shack is where I lost my virginity. In the love shack, it's the little known place where we can get together. So Sirius tell Harry about how he's his guardian. And he really, aw- oh, I love this, this is precious. He really so awkwardly like, says to him, like, if he wants a different home. And he's kind of thinking, like, oh, he's going to say no. He- it's like he's asking him, like someone to prom. <laughs> Like, oh, like, I know you would want to. But like, it's totally fine. In that sense of him asking to someone to prom, what I 
like gleaned from Sirius asking this in this really awkward way. Is the Sirius is just a twenty-one-year-old trapped inside a thirty-five-year-old's body? Oh yeah. Like he went to jail. He is at fucking twi- emotionally stunted. Yeah. He went to jail at twenty-one. Was there for thirteen years. So he's only like 34, 35 at the most. Yeah. And he is so emotionally stunted. He is a twenty-one-year-old basically at heart because his life stopped at that age. Yeah. And this is the moment where you can tell that in the writing where he's like, oh. We could maybe kind of um, yep, live with me. They've uh, had uh, uh, two words to each other yeah. when Harry didn't think he was a murderer. And he's like, live with me. Yeah, but also, like, it shows, like, Harry's just like, yeah, oh, my God, that would be amazing. Like, Sirius at this point is a complete stranger. He and hasn't a- brushed his teeth yeah, in years. And, and I feel like you're really hung up on that. Like, there's also that the whole, like, potentially so murdered someone thing. But, like, yeah, like he... Yeah, he's a, this complete stranger that Harry has just met that until recently Harry believed had, you know, all but murdered his parents and murdered like 12 other people. And Harry, you know, is still just like, yeah, cool, I can't, I'll come live with you. Like anything to escape the abuse of the Dursleys. Like it really just highlights like how fucking abusive they've been that Harry is just willing to like jump into living with this like stranger. Actually, actually like just just picture for a minute living with a complete stranger. And like it's something that like, uh, you know, a lot of us have done, particularly within England with like, uh, you know, house shares, house shares in yeah. university, but like one on one with a strange old man when you were 13. Yeah. And, a like, strange middle aged man. And he may be saying he is your guardian, but like you don't know each other. What if you're better off just meeting once a week or once a month? Like living yeah. with each other is a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, Harry, where are you going to fart when you live with this stranger? Think about the farts, Harry. But it shows how desperate they both are. It yeah. shows how desperate they both are for love. And how abusive... Oh, they just, both just yeah, want but love. But just how timid Sirius is just breaks my heart. So, Harry... So, like, wait, I've got a great quote right okay. down. Snape's head was scraping the ceiling, but he didn't seem to care. That was when Sirius <sighs> was asking Harry to live with him, and he just, like, was bumping... Snape's head against the ceiling, just not noticing. I, mean, as he I loves it. So Harry jumps at the chance to live with Sirius. They get out um, the tree. No, no, no. So once Harry agrees to live with him, Sirius smiles and suddenly he gets hot. And this is where it we know say- that he's good. No, I checked. It didn't say he became it's, handsome. It's subtext. No, it says. Harry it's could finally recognise him yeah. as the laughing man at the wedding. Yeah, and in the laughing man wedding photo, he's like, mm, yeah, what a dish. But no, it's subtext. He's like, ooh, he smiled. Like, you know, not uh, you know, you don't write a book and you're just like, ooh, yeah, he smiled. And then he was hot. You're just like, ooh, he smiled. And, you know, the subtext is that he's hot. Harry's just like, ooh, yeah, suddenly I want to fuck this man. He must be good. Anyway. So they all come out of the tree. And as they begin to walk towards the castle, a cra- a cloud shifts so the moon is exposed. Now, this is where they all start to panic because Lupin essentially starts to transform. But what this implies is that werewolves only change in direct moonlight. How does this work indoors? Because we know that Lupin curls up in his office a harmless wolf. Mm-hmm. But if you're indoors you're not in direct moonlight clouds are a thing in england in fact it's actually (laughs) cloudy about two-thirds of the time on average therefore we don't get full moonlight very much charlie check out the window now is there full moonlight don't check no don't you'll move that might fall oh fucking hell your windows are dirty i cannot see through those that's on the outside it's because simon waters his plant Uh uh-huh 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I, the outside, the inside, it's dirty. Check again. I still can't remotely see clouds. However, can confirm it tends to be pretty cloudy. Pretty cloudy in England. But, okay, so is this implying that werewolves only change into werewolves in full moonlight? Therefore, Lupin... Number one, I don't understand how he's been transforming like every month this year because there's definitely... If you only transform on the night of the full moon, yeah. there's definitely some nights where it's not no cloud. So therefore, you wouldn't be transforming that often. But the text basically tells us that Lupin transforms every month. So I literally don't understand this. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Can you explain it? It's It's atmospheric, Hannah. They're trying to set the scene... There is literature. I need consistency in the plot. Fine. The moon is revealed and Lupin begins to transform. You didn't give me an answer. Someone tweeted it's just an atmosphere. It's atmosphere. No. So Harry tries to untie Ron. Oh, Sirius tells him to run, and Harry's in his head is, "Yeah, I can't because Ron is tied to Lupin." But I mean, yeah, like you. I'm sorry. Like even if you knew that it was the best thing for you. I'm sorry, like, if you were tied up when someone was... I could not just run. No, I couldn't Even run. if I knew someone else could untie you and that it was the best thing for me to just... No! I, bitch, I'm not leaving. If it, exactly. Even if I was stood there just watching as someone else untied you, I would not run until I knew you were... Like, um, but this is Harry. It's very realistic that Harry literally in his head is like, but he couldn't because yeah. Ron was tied up. Like, he physically could not move and neither could Hermione. Yeah. So, Sirius starts to fight Lupin in their animal form. Which is horrible. No, They're friends. Li- and, and, yeah, and just imagine, like, now, like, Sirius very easily could have died. Imagine if he just died now. But also, he's having to attack Lupin with so much aggression that he doesn't attack the children. So he's having to be really aggressive when he doesn't want to be towards his friend, but also knowing he could die in this moment. Yeah. At the hands of his best friend. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. So Peter grabs Ron, a wand, a wand, a, w- a, wand. a wand. He grabs Ron yeah. because he's loved him this mm, entire time. Yeah. So Peter grabs a wand. Harry disarms him. And Peter transforms and runs away. And you're just like, of course this was gonna happen. Yep. Ah, and it's just it annoys me because it's like later on when Hermione has freed Tuskita as a bug and she puts a charm on the glass so she can't transform. Just do that now! Oh my god! Ah. Are you okay? No! I just want Harry and Sirius to be happy. I know, and I literally wrote everything was almost okay. We got so close to everything being okay before it fell apart. I, it's really okay. frustrating as the reader because you got close enough that you knew it could be okay. So this is a note I have. So book one, you know, the whole philosopher's stone shit happens and it ends on a and it ha- ends on a happy ending. Like you know, Voldemort for now has been defeated and it's all all okay. And Harry's in his hospitable bed and he's got loads of candy. And then book happens and the the whole big snake penis metaphor thing happens and and harry defeats the snake uh, and you know he's he's all okay and he's got loads of sweeties in his hospital bed and book three happens mm. and and nothing's okay and the big shenanigans goes down and the bad guy is not defeated the bad guy scurries away yeah. and yeah like Sirius gets away but that's kind of like the consolation prize in the entire thing we have this glimpse of the ending that 
we've grown used to having with Harry Harry Potter where everything ends okay and oh it's amazing like you know Sirius is going to get proved innocent and Harry's going to go live with him and this is what we've come to respect from the books but it, it flips us on his head and it's it's the first time of the book starting to get darker and no longer really being children's books because it's like no this is not a happy ending this book does not end with some you know neatly tied with a bow wrapped up happy ending it's this okay no i'm sorry but there is this prediction that you know the servant is going to go back and help voldemort come back we know that sirius has not been proved innocent we know that the that peter beth grew has escaped and it's the first time in the books where it's like shit like this is not the happy ending that we have grown accustomed to and and this is actually building from major shit beyond just this this really um uh like childish and whimsical book this is the first time where major shit starts to go down and it's so good but this is this is the first time where you're just like this book has not just been wrapped up with a bow this this if the series ended here it would not be satisfying the first two were written like if this ends now this is fine this is the first book where it's not a happy ending or where you need to know what happens next because it's been written in the way where there was confidence there was going to be another book and it and and that it's not just a children's book and it just leaves you being like where was the happy ending yeah you've literally shat all over my points for the next episode sorry shat all over them luckily we have enough notes for the next episode i'm pretty sure yeah i'll go in a different direction for those now no but you are literally right about everything like i had i was i, I always am i was flicking forward because i was just nodding at the notes i'd made for yeah. chapter 22 like yep 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 yeah no, you are absolutely right and i think it's that we get the glimmer of what could yeah been. because before, what's supposed to happen though because i'm sure when you're first reading this the first time you're just like okay yep 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 yeah. like the the last two books have just been a very kind of predictable wrapping up of a happy ending and, and, and you're shown books, where it's going and then it doesn't go in that way and it's like fuck and i think the later books we never really get that like before there is no one ending it could have gone down like yeah. something was always going to happen and it was always going to be bad but book three we get this glimmer of an ending and you're and used it to it like there's a format and it you. and it just doesn't happen and you're just like for the first time you're like shit these are these are proper books yeah these are proper books this is this is you know not just the same format slightly reworded actually shit is starting to happen yeah so Sirius runs to find Pettigrew but then they suddenly hear him start to whimper and they run towards him and he's transformed back into a human as hundreds of dementors fly towards them at the edge of the lake and the sense of dread is really palpable and this is where i wrote my note about like everything was almost okay and now suddenly everything is terrible and it's honestly written like the three of them so harry hermione and sirius because ron has been stupefied at this point yeah yeah um are going to die like the switch from triumph on literally a page ago to oh my god, these three yeah. are about to die, is so fast. Yeah, and we've had the bit earlier in the book where Harry asks, like, what's under a Dementor's hood? And, you know, the answer is, you know, no one knows because no one survived it. And a Dementor tries to kiss Harry, and I feel like this is something where I've never fully taken in because I know. when I first read it, or, well, listened to it, I was too young, and then every reading since, I've not been paying full attention. Yeah, but actually, I paid full attention in this yeah. bit, and I was fucking horrified. Yeah, like, Harry fully he sees what's under the hood, and he, he sees what's under the hood, and he is 
frozen with terror and i i was frozen with terror yeah and i've always roasted harry for the whole thinking that he's his father thing thinking that there's such a stupid thing but but as i reread this you realize that harry is literally he has a dementor inches from his face he can see under the hood he is frozen with terror all he manages to see is that he he sees something silver shining he's like half passed out with you know halfway through the dementor's kiss you know his soul is being sucked out of his body and by the way the dementor is described as there were no eyes but the eye sockets had gray skin scratched over them and the mouth was a gasping shapeless hole yeah. that is truly yeah so he is frozen with terror he grips onto Sirius's arm just to feel him close to him. Dementor wraps his hand around his neck, which I commented like, is rather kinky. Yeah, he pulls him up by his neck. Harry sees a silvery light shining brighter and he falls down. And then a few minutes later, as you know, everything unfolds, he realises that the Dementors are retreating. He looks to the opposite shore to be like, you know, who's cast a spell, who saved us. And, and then it, he sees the caster and it doesn't say. It doesn't say. doesn't say. doesn't say in this moment. No. It's quite powerful that it doesn't say. And the chapter ends with him passing out. Yep. A fucking dark chapter. It is, and it leaves so much mystery that doesn't get answered until later on. It's just so ah! different from the first two books. Like, the first two books were very formulaic in a yeah. certain way. This book is just... I keep saying it, but it pulls the... And it's about to do it again. Chapter 21 is a fucking wild oh! ride. Yeah. But it just keeps pulling the rug out from under you. But these two these two chapters, like, we know no one's ever seen under a Dementor's hood that can live to tell the tale, basically. And Harry is telling us what's under a Dementor's hood. Yeah. It's fucking horrific. And it, it, it goes completely under the radar. Like, yeah. it's never a big thing. No. He never really thinks about that he's seen that. And he never really tells anyone. He should tell someone. Yeah. So this was chapters 19 and 20. It um, was. We now have a question. I'm, I'm shaken. We do. We are um, shooketh. So thank you. Charlie, how did you feel about these two chapters in general? I love them and I'm so excited for the next chapters. I and I have so much more to say about these. And I thought I would... Yep. They, it's amazing because we didn't do this is funny. Is that the book should end here? Like, given the formula from like the last two books, this is where the book should end. Is that you know someone casts a spell and it will turn out to be Dumbledore or something, and then he'll wake up in the hospital winning. He'll have some chocolate, and then the book is ended. But this is only really where it's beginning, and it and it and it's it's fucking lit. It is. It's so good. We're sorry we didn't do many very very many funnies. But, yeah, you know, it's just so deep. Yeah. Um, so anyway, as well as Danny choosing our alcohol this episode, thanks for the whiskey, Danny. So when you donate $10 or more when you are a patron, you also get to ask us a question at the end. So Danny's question was, what would you use the room of requirement for? I would use it just to recreate that fan fiction that Chloe wrote, but with me as well. That is a very good one. I was going to go for the really cliche sex dungeon answer. Uh-huh. Yeah, but basically the same answer. I'm trying to think what I, like if it wasn't for the if obvious sex Yeah, dungeon. if we're not talking about sex. Um, um, because I don't need sex all the time. Anyway. Um, see, I my next thing would be to say something about food, but we know that that's not an option. A um, reading room. A really cozy, beautiful <gasps> reading room. So I would have like some sort of cushiony corner to put myself in like a window seat with a beautiful yeah. view 
and a light and then all the books I ever wanted to read and no one to disturb me and I could just cozy up there and read when I'm feeling really low or stressed. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say a podcast studio. Oh. How good would that be? That would be amazing. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. There you go. Thank and you, what Danny. Would you, what would you all use the room of requirement for? And we have another Patreon question from our wonderful listener, Mac. So he would like to ask, what Hogwarts or Ilvermorny house would you put the following characters and why? So we don't really know the Ilvermorny houses. Yeah, we're sorry, fake fans. So we're just going to do the Hogwarts houses. And I love this question so much because... Hannah doesn't do pop culture. Aside from Harry Potter and Taylor Swift, Hannah is oblivious to all pop culture. And I've watched... I know two... Some things on this list. Cool. So, the characters that we need to sort... And I'm assuming that they all need to be in one each. He hasn't actually specified that, but I'm guessing one each is. Captain Marvel, Ray from Star Wars, Sherlock Holmes, and Aladdin. So, I don't know who Captain Marvel is. Cool. I would put her in Gryffindor. Cool. Is um, she the one played by Brie you Larson? Saw her. Yeah, she was the really. You've she seen seems it. Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the individual film about her. Yeah, so I would put her in Gryffindor. I would put Sherlock in. Wait, Ray. you skipped Ray. Yeah, I'm doing it in kind of order of what I think, so then I can just. Okay. Um, oh, oh, I know Sherlock. Sherlock. Yeah. I, Sherlock. I've Ravenclaw. Slytherin. I would put Ravenclaw. Interesting. Uh, and then I would put Ray from Star Wars. I have seen this once. She's in the the first of the newer films, right? Yeah. She seems very Gryffindor to me. She's she's quite like. But uh, I'm thinking they have to be in one each. No, I don't think. Oh, I don't think they have to be in one each. I don't know. The, the, oh, he hasn't said, but the fact is, four characters. I'm no, like, I, d- mm. I don't think they have to be in one each. I think it's just what suits them best. Yeah. I feel like Ray from Star Wars. Would, I would put her in Slytherin. Oh, would you? Yeah. I'd go Gryffindor. You've not seen all of them. I haven't them. seen all of them. I've only seen the first one. I'm shit. And Aladdin. Aladdin. Ooh. Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah. A good Slytherin. I'm on Jafar's side in, <laughs> in okay, Aladdin. Okay, I'm not on Jafar's side. <laughs> but I think Aladdin would be a good Slytherin, but he does have Slytherin tendencies. Jafar's in the right, though. Jafar's not in the right. He wants to marry Jasmine. And? She's fit. Wouldn't you? He wants to force her into marriage. I mean, he's not right about that. Oh, okay. But we'll get right off there. Thank you for that question, Mac. Tune in next week for all of your favourite person. Neil's back. Literally. When we did the fucking, fucking hell. audience survey, which, by the way, still live. Still live if you want to answer it. Do and it. we said about like what guest you want on. Everyone was just like, bring Neil, Neil back. Neil, Neil, and when we Neil. said like, oh, like what quotes do you want on merch? It was just like, no, anything no, Neil, Neil said. Uh, fuck you. Fuck but you. He's coming back next episode. We want the listen so fine. fine. No doubt no I mean, he literally lives with me. So we have to bring him on at least once a book. Or we feel bad. Because I come here, I drink his booze, I eat his food and then I leave. You get what you want, okay? Bye. Thanks for listening. Love okay, you. Okay, bye, bye. 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 Thank you.
you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patrons, Amanda, Mark, Sandra and Danny, for their help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us, as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash goblet of wine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.